Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. Joined as I am every time by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. You can get the Talking Tide podcast anywhere you receive your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, of course. Get us on YouTube. Get us on Facebook. Our web host, of course, Megaphone.fm. Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. Give us a follow there. And uh, you'll find links uh, as quickly as they come uh, to our podcast. And want to quickly thank our sponsors, North River Dental Associates and Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa uh, DraftKings as well. All right, Travis, uh, the Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher aftermath. You would you would think right after four or five days. I guess it's been that you know we're, we're it's not like we're it's not like we jumped on the air right away when the when this you know it's been a lot of time for the aftermath and yet uh feels like here on Sunday night there's there's you know there's still meat on the bone I'd say no there's still plenty of meat on that bone and especially when you when you uh bring prime time into the mix to go along with it so uh it wasn't just that uh this involved a couple of uh people very familiar with each other the uh, mentor and disciple angle had certainly been discussed a lot, and Jimbo had become the first disciple to beat his old boss last season. So, uh, and then just sort of like a bolt of lightning midweek. Uh, here comes the comments from Nick Saban, and you just knew Thursday was going to be something else after Wednesday night. You knew Jimbo wasn't just going to let that uh, come and go. Yeah, uh, unacknowledged. And then, you know, primetime wasn't either. So uh, Thursday shaped up to be a doozy during a time of the year when we're thinking, well, probably going to be pretty quiet going into Destin and SEC meetings coming up, spring meetings coming up. Maybe as we get closer to July and media day, some things will percolate. But uh, wow, it got crazy midweek. If, if you're the SID at Texas A&M, do you even bother, Travis, trying to get Jimbo to go with a statement over a presser? Do you even? Do you, do you even... Well, it, it doesn't matter. The SID didn't matter because Jimbo yeah. was going to have a press conference, whether it That's involved right. the SID. He was just going to yeah. set it up himself, and um, you knew that was coming. And, boy, Jimbo didn't, uh, didn't spare much, did he? said it's over. It's done between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. And uh, not that October 8th was going to need much more juice, I don't think. Although, you know, we had big, big hopes for the game last season. And while A&M ultimately did pull the upset, you know, they stumbled against Arkansas and Mississippi State in the lead-up to that game, which took away some of the, the, the intrigue, the championship aspect of it. So hopefully the... The Aggies will be able to maintain course before they get to Tuscaloosa. It'll be circled in red ink on that calendar. Oh, all, all yes, and, and and blood red station and blood red and yeah. College Station as well. So uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the ticket, ticket man liked that. He liked that. <laughs> he likes it fine. Yeah. The CBS man <laughs> and the Ticket Man, they yeah. both like that. And uh, CBS, I mean, is there any doubt now that's going to be prime time? Oh, I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be primetime. If last year's game was, you know, thought to be big enough in advance to go ahead and hand it primetime status, doesn't I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it was. But but the, you know, the the one take about the about the 
fracas, or I say one take. I, I ended up having to put about nine of them in print over a couple of days. But uh, <laughs> um, I just, you know, one of the aspects to it that drew that drew me, Travis, is, is that obviously Jimbo went way more personal. I mean, if saving through a handful of mud, Jimbo came with the truckload. That's oh. for sure. But it, but at the end of the day, Travis, what he was complaining about was a guy who was was, you know, throwing something out there he couldn't or wouldn't prove, right? Uh, basically, a you know, a tease kind of thing. Well, what did Jimbo do? He did he did the exact same. He Jimbo did the exact had same Jimbo thing. had a chance to come out looking great, you know, if he takes a little more of the high road and maybe has some fun with it. Just hey, good to know that we're on Nick's radar. You know, yeah. that maybe Nick's worried about us now. You know, we beat him last season. We had this great recruiting class. It's just nice to know that when we talk about the greatest of all time, maybe we're living in Nick's head a little bit. But no, yeah. Jimbo, uh, Jimbo came off as bad or worse, maybe worse, in my opinion, because you know, some of the things he he alluded to, like, yeah, I know there is a, a collective, but I'm, I don't really know how it works. Right. Right. You know, come on, man. Things yeah. like that. You know, <laughs> really? I thought Dion came off looking the best probably in all this, because that was probably, I think we agree. I think that was Nick's biggest mistake in all of it. Or how about the heat, the tweet from Travis Hunter? Uh, the yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. Got, he, he, he might've had the greatest thing of the whole thing, right? Yeah. I, it was just, it was an amazing 24 to 48 hours. Like you said, it's, it's going to continue to, to sort of simmer, I guess. And, and then we'll rekindle it. I'm sure as we get closer to sec spring meetings coming up here in the next couple of weeks. And then, I mean, even though they're not going to be on the same day at sec media days, it's going to be, it's going to be the, on the marquee there, I guess in Atlanta this year, right? Bedlam word (laughs) jimbo yes jimbo's smart though jimbo's smart to say that about the collective and not really knowing what goes on because that gives him a buffer because when he gets players that are pissed about their deals he can somehow look at them and say you know i don't really know how all that works it just it's not sure you bet it's it's not an incredible thing to say, you know what I mean? It's it not, is incredible, it's, it's, it's but you know, no, it isn't. But you know, he's going to run that out there when he gets when all this starts to become difficult with players. That gives him that buffer there, you know, because yeah. if if, but I will say this: if he is out there directly recruiting with it to players, then he's still going to have to face some backlash because it's going to go back to. Remember when recruiting promises, Chase, were just limited to like playing time and maybe some things like that uh, and and how much that's changed now? Um, It's never – and we've said this. It's never been tougher to be a a college head coach than, than right now. It, it, it would, it would shake the plate tectonics at the top of the, the, uh, I I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's no question that that the more it becomes just a straight up money grab. Yeah. The tech, the big Texas schools are going to prosper. Oregon will prosper if it wants to Notre Dame, Notre Dame's better off. There's, you know, and I haven't made the full list, but those are, you know, off the top of my head that are going to be just fine with, with all that. 
there's there's another angle that's out there that I wanted to throw at you with all this and that Nick's comments were measured in that he was basically letting the fan base and the alumni and the right. the Alabama money know we got to get our money up. Yeah. But yeah. I don't even think you have to send that bat signal out to the Alabama folks, do you? They're ready. Like, just just tell us when, Coach, or, oh, you know, th- yeah. this isn't Mike Shula making those calls but I, is but what I I'm think, saying. This is Nick Saban. If that's what he wants to do, if that's right. what he ends up having to do, as he intimated there in that gathering last Wednesday night. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Saban sees what I see, though, in ter- in terms of how, th- how, how uh, you know, even though you're right, uh, there, there's there's no I couldn't you, you'd be hard pressed to name another booster club that's not more at the ready. Um, but pockets are pockets. You got what you got in them. And, and, you know, there's some awfully deep ones out there that haven't been really in the in, in, you know, Texas hadn't been in the game competitively. Right. 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 You know, uh, Oregon's been more competitive, but but uh, certainly not. Um, certainly not a much of a playoff. Yeah, and, and 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 you're right. Texas money is different when you're talking UT and A and M. I mean, A you're looking at an endowment of a billion dollars. Okay, is in a B. Um, that isn't the case even at, at places like Alabama that you know have folks that uh, literally um, in estate planning. And, and think wealthy folks that that make that commitment in, in perpetuity to to Alabama. So no, I, I get your point on that too. Um, but you know, I, I think it was another case where okay, you wanted to go to more hurry up offense. You wanted to go to some different things, transfer portal. And at every turn, Nick Saban has cautioned uh, folks against those things. And meanwhile, he's made the adjustment. And Alabama has made those type of things their own in the process. And this has the feel of that, too. Okay. I mean, I don't think the pockets are as deep, certainly, when you talk about Alabama uh, and maybe even comparison to A&M. But folks are willing to give whatever they can to to make it happen, to make the W's happen. I know there's a lot of fans that on message boards and sports talk radio talk about how disenfranchised they feel because of the portal and NIL. But when September the 5th or September the 3rd rolls around, they're going to be right there ready and hoping for another national championship run, regardless of how it comes about. Turning to the administrative side of, (laughs) of the whole discussion, Travis. All right. Hypothetically, I hand you a blank check. I hand you a pen. You fill in your name and whatever the number it would take for you to be the next president of the NCAA. No, you don't have a, your pen would, would run out of ink doing the zeros. There wouldn't be enough room on that. No, you know what though? That's, that's where I think there's this sort of disconnect from the public in terms of what they think the head of the NCAA really is able to get done first and foremost, because he or she is going to work at the behest of the school presidents, right? It's like Roger Goodell in the NFL, right? He works on behalf of the 32 team owners. Essentially that's his job. That's one similarity. That's it. 
And so one of the reasons why Roger Goodell makes the money he makes is because he stands up there and takes the bullets. You know, when, when things aren't good or when the leadership is perceived bad, how the hell are you supposed to lead when essentially yeah. you're being told the direction by, you know, a hundred plus 200, 300 plus school presidents. So see the that's dollars where, on that's the legal where, fees they've been spending yeah, too. That's what I mean. That's where I don't get where everybody, Oh, well, man, it's time to Mark Emmerich needs to go. You know, I, now I will say this, you know, in terms of publicly at least coming off as being even in the loop with where things were headed in advance of NIL and the transfer portal and things like that. That's where Emirate just came off as a failure um, because he wasn't proactive. He wasn't in front, right? And they need, the NCAA needs like a Sankey type in that regard. Um, that isn't always worried about being first maybe, but certainly when things of seismic nature start to even show up on the horizon right. in the pipeline, there is at least an address given to it and made to that, which is something it just seemed like with Mark Emmerich, it was never, it, it was always after the fact. And it was like, Oh shit. More than no, we understand. We, we understand what's coming. Here's what we're working on to try to deal with this situation. It was always, it always just felt more reactionary with Emmerich than, than you would like. When I, when I think of em, Emmerich's tenure, I, I, I think of the, uh, I think of the ROTC kid and near the end of animal house, Travis, who, who holds up their <laughs> hands on, says all is well. And just after it's right on the side. Chaos. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's a great analogy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's uh yeah. remain calm. But you're oh, right. You know, well. the, the, it, they're, they're about to find out how hard it is, right? And 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 Ember didn't help himself in so many ways. No, it, it's it, out it, there now. What? How know, are you gonna? How are you gonna roll this back? His his decision to to cling to the old longer than he probably should have or could have. I think that that, that was the how. However, that said, man, the next whoever it is, uh, what a. Well, it's an it's a near impossible task. I, I he just, uh, you know, they they need someone that isn't afraid to go to the college presidents, and if they need to be shook and and kind of brought into reality about, look, I understand what you want and what yeah. you prefer, but yeah. this is what's going to happen, whether you want it to or not, yeah. and we can either get out in front of this and roll with it. Yeah. and sort of be meshed and intertwined with the movement going forward, or we can get dusted entirely and then be left in total and complete scramble mode while also coming off publicly as an entirely complete embarrassment that is, that is so far behind that we can't catch up. We can't even attempt to roll some of this back. Did you catch the comment from Gene Smith, the Ohio State AD? Um, I try not to listen to him much, he, but he's on the, he's on the transformation committee, I believe, with saying transformation and committee. Yeah. I like <laughs> but, that. But you know, he what his his thought was uh, sooner sooner or later we're going regardless of how bleak it might look legally. Uh, sooner or later, you better fight for something in court because 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 the alternative is 
you don't exist anymore. So you will you know, become obsolete. So and we're you know, on the we're on the threshold of that. Doesn't it feel that way? Yeah. I mean, what's yeah. next, really? It it almost it almost sounded like though he's he's going to be looking to pick the, the the first fight he can find. You know what I mean? As opposed to laying back and letting time roll by. You know who sits back idly though? I think and enjoys all this good bread. Who's that? The television networks. I think the television networks almost yeah. pine for the day. Yeah. That it goes to thirty or forty teams, mm-hmm. and then every game on television yep. means something. They, they got you. But then at the same time, if you're one of those thirty or forty schools, think about how much the revenue is going to go up. Mm-hmm. I mean, the TV deals are going to become even more lucrative, aren't they? If you're playing a twelve-game schedule and there's not an FCS or even a group of five on there. You're playing a 12-game schedule, even if you go to nine or ten SEC games. And by the way, your two or three non-cons are like Oklahoma State, um, USC, and let's say North Carolina. Right. You know, they would love that. And they will pay bigger dollars than they're even paying right now. And and the head right, it it it's a it's a it's a depth improver because the top might be the same, right? Your marquee one, two, three, they're gonna do the same they're gonna do the same numbers at least. They're gonna do the same numbers as they ever have, if not better. They're not gonna come down because you're bringing the the bottom up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the schools would benefit from that too, because I think more people would be inclined to go to the ballpark. So this sort of maxim maximizing of every revenue stream that the power fives have attempted to do since coming up with say their own networks for the leagues and doing the deals like they've done for the sec network and ESPN and CBS and all those things. Um, I think they would have a better chance of achieving that, that, uh, that fruition of complete and total uh, fulfillment of revenue streams in that type of scenario than they are now. Because folks just aren't going to come out for New Mexico State or right. May, uh, Mercer or right. games like that, or you know, you're just not going to sell the tickets like you would. And it, but and if it, you if you had Power Fives every week, right, right. But you and, and it's it's already headed in that direction pretty quickly because Travis, if, if the SEC jumps to a nine game conference schedule, yeah, and 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 you look at what Alabama's already locked down 2026 and beyond. That's when it kicks in where they're playing two power fives, nine kind of year. All right. You, you add that in with a nine game conference game. And they're getting out of the neutrals. Now, yeah. yeah, Now you're all, we're, we're talking four years from now. There's only going to be, there's there's only going to be one real homecoming game. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something Saban's been kind of angling towards again, that seems like a lot of folks are a little bit kicking and screaming and their willingness to, come on board with that but you're right that's where we look to be headed talking tide podcast on the pigskin podcast network chase goodbread travis ryer with you a little bit longer here going to thank our sponsors here really quickly we're going to start by telling you all about north river dental associates dr jack smalley that great staff of dental hygienists any kind of dentistry you need whether it's uh, the pediatric dentistry laser dentistry endodontics you name it the teeth whitening service is always popular. And on a routine cleaning, you go get them twice a year over at Dr. Jack's. Going to have you in and out of there uh, in less than an hour, typically. So super experienced. The phone number is 752-3506. It's North River Dental Associates. 
I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier right there in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. I know there's a lot of road work going on. I know, right? Stop me if you've heard this one before when it comes to Tuscaloosa. But right there on McFarland there in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa, uh, advancements being made to the roadways. I guess I'll put it kindly and put it that way. But no worries. They're still good to go right there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Still easy access right there off McFarland Boulevard. And wow, store looks as great as it ever has. They've transitioned from more of the spring look, the Easter holiday into the summer look and summer of course means summer chocolate camps at Peterbrook Chocolatier. You can get yourself involved in one of those at 205-752-0211. They'll get you set up and as always just a great place to stop. The chocolate strawberries, the chocolate popcorn, the chocolate carousel they have right there in the middle of the establishment and you know what else? With summer cranking up, it's a great time to pick up some of that Italian ice cream. The gelato, multiple, six or seven great flavors from which to choose. And we're getting close to those free scoop Wednesdays of gelato. I'll tell you more about that in the coming weeks. But Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. You need to make it happen today. Finally, really quickly, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor, DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app on your phone. Give them that promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network. And, hey, you're off and running with the NBA postseason $5 bet. Any team to win in the NBA playoffs here turns into $150 in free bets if your team wins. That's at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Be sure to download it. TPPN, your promo code is DraftKings. All right, Travis. Uh We'll shut it down here with a few more minutes. Want to recap this Alabama softball season that ended uh, here just a few hours prior to uh, our Sunday nighter recording. Uh, I was over there, uh, wrote one up, uh, saw 14 innings. You know, every bit of a game for all but one inning, basically. Uh, uh, Stanford uh, falls to Alabama 4 nothing in the early game, which was – Played at 10 a.m. They rescheduled it because of uh, weather concerns. Montana Fouts blanks them, Travis. Then she turns around and puts up five more blanks in game two. Uh, ends up giving up a couple of tough runs in the sixth. Uh, in trouble again in the seventh. Uh, but what an incredible, inc- just an c- incredible performance uh, by her. No, she was plenty good enough, and she typically is, but – When they needed her the most in that early game on Sunday, she was fantastic, and uh, they finally got a couple of clutch hits. They've just really struggled offensively down the stretch, and, you know, it seemed like to be the imperfect storm. Some of their veterans, some of their staples throughout the season uh, had been very solid, uh, and some of the freshmen had stepped up. Bloodworth, good night during the first half to two-thirds of the season. Had been very good. Tal is a veteran that you typically can count on. Um, and she did come through in the early game on Sunday, but uh, just not enough from that lineup top to bottom. I think other than Ashley Prangy, once you got beyond her, really, to me anyway, it seemed like um, some far too easy outs late in the season. And, you know, those things happen. That's softball. But Montana was great. Um 
you know, the injury to Lexi Kilfoyle obviously was not ideal and not having that depth that you'd like to have in the circle. But Montana was plenty good enough. It just game two on Sunday. At some point, you got to help her out and put some pressure on Stanford, you know, with your offense. And and Alabama just wasn't able to do that. And I know there's a lot of Alabama fans are not happy. It was a historic sort of result because of how dominant Alabama's been in the postseason in regional play. But I think that's also a testament to the job done by Patrick Murphy. If you're upset about Alabama softball tonight and you're upset at Patrick Murphy, well, that's in large part because of the job he's done. Um, and and I know you wrote about this, but it's true. Uh, they look to be in really good shape moving forward uh, from a roster perspective without knowing what could happen uh, in the transfer portal and those type of things. Cause they were, they were hurt by that because, you know, when you lose a Skylar Wallace to Florida, you lose a KB sides to Arkansas. And even if you backfill with an Allie Shipman coming in from Tennessee and an Ashley Prangy coming in from Ohio state, you're still not at a net positive in terms of elite type of players. Right. Right. Yeah. Murphy, a, a, an unreal job, a uh, streak of 16, would have been 17 straight, but the COVID year, Travis, of course, they didn't they didn't get the postseason really even going uh, at all in 2020. But uh, 17 years, 16 straight for Patrick yeah. Murphy to reach the uh, the uh, Super Regionals, and and you know I I, I I agree with you. The bottom of the lineup definitely definitely had its its, its struggles statistically all year. It was a top heavy lineup. I, I don't think there's any question uh, for Alabama that. Um, but you know, Murphy sounded pretty upbeat that that's something that they can, um, you know, they can make some strides on going into next season. And obviously, uh, he, he feels good about the pitching coming back too. Uh, but, uh, uh, disappointing way to go out for sure. But man, I, I just, I couldn't have been more, uh, imp- impressed with, with ballots and, re- and I'll say this too, Travis, even if, uh, even even if the number two starter had been able to to maybe sub in sooner, uh, had she been healthy, ready to go, maybe you get maybe you get uh, fouls out a little quicker and save a couple of three runs. Doesn't matter because you still never scored, right? That's exa- That that's the that's the problem. Is when as good as Montana is, and as much as she can just go and mount up the innings and the pitches and the strikeouts and all those things. Eventually, even more so than so many people equate fast pitch softball to baseball, and it, it doesn't really match up in a lot of ways. But in in the fundamental ways of pressure, eventually bursting pipes, um, you know, if you can do that, then 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 that's obviously going to be huge. And in Alabama, just too much down the stretch wasn't able to do that. Stanford coach said they had bouts at 72 and in, in, in her last inning of the second game no that the velocity's just she's consistent with it man that that's that's not a problem at all but think of it this way too if if you could in baseball run the same pitcher out there for 14 innings at some point that other team is going to have some success just because they're exposed so much to that one pitcher, right? Right. right. You're, no matter how hard he or she throws, um, or can locate, or has a multitude of pitches, at some point that familiarity 
is going to prove beneficial. So even though Stanford lost game one, they brought their ace in. I understand that. But I thought Stanford was smart. Once that game got to 4 nothing, they got her out of there. Right. Because they right. didn't want UA's hitters getting any more looks at her than they had already gotten because she was coming back in right. game two. Whereas with Montana – is, is talented and is determined and as much of an elite competitor as she is, you know, she's got what she's got and it's elite stuff. But after you see it for 10, 12, 14 innings in succession, um, you're probably going to have some success. Murphy, interestingly, we'll get, we'll get out of here in just a minute. We're up, uh, up against uh, the end of another episode of talking tide. One of the things Murphy said was, was that he thought the changeups on both sides or all the difference. He said Faust's changeup was the best he's seen it in her whole career. And he and he said it was. He, he, he said they couldn't touch the changeup either. No. So. No. And, and now Walter, she she had that in her repertoire for Stanford. And then she throws the drop ball exceptionally well well, where Montana's throwing that rise ball at 70 plus. And um, but that was that was very interesting in that first game, especially when she mixed in that changeup. Uh, not only that she did it as frequently, but she did it from really the outset. Yeah, and all right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News. Be sure to join us next time right here on Talking Tide.